Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Journey of Faith. Uh, I want to say a special welcome to those of you here in the room from our Torrance campus. Anybody from our Torrance campus here? Woo! Thanks. We're working really hard to get that campus back up and running, that building. Uh, uh, we're working hard, so um, we'll get there. We're, we're doing our best. Um, if you are new with us here in the room or watching online, I want to say a special welcome to you. Thank you so much for being with us. We, uh, last week, we started a series of messages called Be Well, and the idea behind this is wellness is a big issue in our culture, especially here in Southern California. We're really, we want to have healthy lives physically, emotionally, spiritually, uh, in all areas of our life. And the question is, what is the connection between wellness and who God created us to be? What is the connection between uh, wellness and faith. That's what we're kind of exploring through this season between now and Easter, which is a, a period of time on the Christian calendar normally called Lent. And it's a time of self-examination and surrender and kind of recalibrating our lives spiritually. So in this series, we're gonna be looking at different topics related to wellness and how they relate to the spiritual life. Here's some of the things we're gonna be looking at as we go over the next uh, few weeks. And... Last week, we started by taking a question that Jesus asked of someone who was looking for wellness in his life. Here's the question Jesus asked him, would you like to get well? Kind of, do you really want to get well? (laughs) Because sometimes they're like, oh, I'd like to get better in this area. Really? Um, So we looked at some of the common barriers that we might experience and how to push through some of those to begin that wellness journey If you missed that message, you can go online onto our website or our YouTube channel and check it out. Today, we're going to be talking about this topic, a topic most of us really like. It's food. We're talking about food today. And what's the connection between food and faith? Let me tell you a quick story. Just to start us off, my my wife and I, a couple of years ago, we were going to go away for about four days. And we invited a family who lived in kind of a smaller apartment to come stay at our place. Our place was a little bit bigger than theirs. So we said, hey, why don't you come house sit? So the night before we left, we had this really nice dinner, kind of like, let's have a good home-cooked dinner before we go. And then after dinner, we were like, let's clean up. We got the place cleaned up and smelling nice, and we loaded the refrigerator full of goodies. And then the family came over and watched our place. We came back four days later, and we were like, how did it go? And they were like, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was okay. And we were like, what's going on? We kept trying to get it out of them. And then they finally were like, well, about two days in, we started smelling something weird in the house. And we were like, oh, no. And I, was, I, I know about our house. Like, we have the, this family of skunks that walks across our porch every, about 8 o'clock every night. And so we have to, like, close our windows at 745 so the smell doesn't get in. I was like, was it the skunks that were getting in? And they were like, no, it wasn't skunks. And I was like... Oh, I remember that, you know, the little uh, mechanism inside the toilet, it's been like malfunctioning in our upstairs toilet. I was like, oh, did that, did you have a problem with the toilet? Did it back up or something? No, no, it wasn't that. And we're like, what's going on? And they didn't want to tell us. And then finally, they're like, we found a rotting fish in the oven. And we were like, we forgot to take out that fish when we had that nice dinner. And it was a catfish which it was just like the worst smell. And they were like, we couldn't tell what was going on, you know? And they finally, well, we got it out and we packaged it up and we threw it out and we were just horrified. We were so embarrassed. So now it's like 
playfully on our checklist of items when we're getting ready to leave the house? Like, did you, is the door locked? Is the alarm on? Is there a rotting animal carcass anywhere in the home, you know? Um, now I have to connect that story with food and, and the Bible in some way. Uh, what, when it comes to food, usually what starts, what can start really well can actually go bad. When you think about it, when we're born into the world, for the most part, we learn to eat and we learn to enjoy food. And food becomes part of our lives, birthday parties and romantic dinners and holidays. But then at some point, we end up with food sensitivities and disordered eating and kind of imposed rules and even negativity about food. And then we even have like global inequity when it comes to food. We have regions of the world where we're just throwing food away and other places where people are starving. And even when it comes to the topic of wellness, food, like all other topics, we can go to extremes. Some of us are so hyper-vigilant and and specific about foods. We have such strong convictions about food. In fact, we might hop from diet to diet, or we might even, um, if you're a Christian, you might even look for a, a diet program in the Bible. Oftentimes we read it into the Bible. Um, and we can get so specific, and we can also get very judgy about what other people eat. And then we can go to the other extreme. Some of you are like, God cares about my soul, not my diet, so I kind of eat whatever I want. And then we end up getting unhealthy because we're not really even kind of mindful or thoughtful about that. And I've been in both of those extremes myself, and maybe some of you have kind of dabbled in those. Jesus had a very different understanding of food. And so what I want to do today is kind of maybe touch on a little bit of what Jesus' view of food might be and then give us some space to reflect on that. And then after the, at the end of the service, we're going to celebrate communion together, which is kind of a, a symbolic meal that we eat together to, to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. Here's the main idea for today. We can enjoy food as a good gift from Jesus. Some of you are like, thank God that's what we're going to say. <laughs> Here, let's look at a Bible story that can help us think about this. John chapter 6. John is the fourth book in the New Testament. Um, if um, I kind of encouraged last week, maybe you want to consider reading through the book of John between now and Easter, and you get a chance to read about the life and teachings of Jesus and, and what that might mean for you. The story we're going to read is actually one of Jesus' biggest miracles. It's when he fed over 5,000 people Uh, with just a small portion of food. So we're gonna look at that story. I'm not gonna read the whole chapter, so definitely make a note of this and read this on your own because there's a lot in this chapter. I'm gonna hit a couple of highlights in it and um, this will give us a jumping off point uh, for talking about food. Here's what it says. Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed on a hill and he sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. 
Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And John tells us uh, he was testing Philip because he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon uh, Peter's brother, spoke up, said there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. And afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. He like, this is an incredible miracle of Jesus supernaturally multiplying food so everyone could eat. And it says they could eat as much as they wanted. I mean, it's this amazing picture. Now, throughout John's writing about Jesus' life and teachings, all of the things are written so we would get this sense of how much God loves us and the miracles that he can do in our life, particularly how he's come into the world to die for our sins and forgive us. And it's just this beautiful invitation for us to believe more and more amazing things about Jesus. But this story is very interesting because it's a, a, a food miracle story, which if you, read, if you read through the entire Bible, you realize food's mentioned a lot. There's a lot of food in the Bible. I mean, a little summary here. Look at this. Like the, the beginning of the Bible starts with kind of a symbolic test of obedience related to some kind of fruit on a tree. Um, the Jewish religious laws, which take up the first uh, like four or five books of the Old Testament, include not only religious fasts, but religious feasts. Like you are supposed to get together and have a party and eat because God has done amazing things. And then throughout, uh, particularly the Hebrew scriptures, there's all these instances where God miraculously provides food to people. Jesus' first miracle took place at a wedding feast. Uh, When you read through John's story, as well as a lot of other accounts, Jesus is always at dinner parties. So, I mean, he, Jesus went to so many dinner parties that there's a reference in there that religious leaders were accusing him of being a glutton because he was showing up to dinner parties. Um, and then as Christianity spread, there was this sense of if you want to care for people, make sure that they are fed, that that's an expression of God's love. And so we see this happening as Jesus has all these people around him that have come to hear his teaching. And what's really interesting is they're coming to hear his teaching, they're coming for miracles, and the sun is setting, it's getting ready for dinner time, and Jesus says this, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Here's what I find interesting when I read this. Notice that it's not like he's teaching and everybody's getting hungry and Jesus says, How dare you be hungry? I'm teaching you. Let's fast and focus on, let's deny our appetites. He's like, no, we're all getting hungry, right? We should have some food. It's just a wonderful acknowledgement of Jesus recognizing that food, that hunger, that appetite is a good gift of God. Eating food 
is in many ways a celebration of God's goodness. But some of us maybe didn't learn that. Maybe that's complicated by some of the things I mentioned earlier. Maybe what we need to do is if we want to get a sense that we can enjoy food as a good gift from Jesus, here's one thing that we need to do. Explore God's view of food in your life. In the culture Jesus was born into, uh, the Jewish culture had very specific laws for Jewish people about food to eat and food not to eat. And in order to be careful about those laws, the Jewish people, particularly Jewish religious leaders, started adding rules and laws and regulations to protect them from going anywhere near offending God. Well, as a result, they had so many rules and traditions that uh, got in the way. In fact, the rules and traditions were designed to protect them from a fear they had. And the fear was, if I eat the wrong thing, I will be spiritually contaminated. And when Jesus was talking to them, he was like, yeah, that's, that's actually not how this works. Here's what Jesus said to him. He said, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. You see, what he was saying is, we can have a, a very careful diet, low body fat, and look great, but we're still mean. We're still unkind. We can be super healthy by being very careful about what we eat, but if we have bad relationships, what good is that? As Christianity started spreading into the non-Christian world, Paul, who was a Jewish rabbi at the time, he said, here's, here's how we should communicate this. Here's what Paul said. Everything God created is good. We should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. For we know it is made acceptable by the word of God and prayer. What a beautiful idea here. Now, I don't think he's saying you should be eating everything. I mean, I, I, I actually think where we're at in our world today, we are creating things to consume that I'm not even sure God would call food. You know, you know it's just like sometimes I'll look at a wrapper. I'm like, I don't think nature was harmed in any way in the making of this thing that I'm about to eat, right? Um, it also, we also have to be thoughtful, like each one of our bodies is different. Like I may be able to eat one thing and you can't eat that thing. Uh, it, it impacts our body differently. We should be sensitive to that. Also, when we're around a table, we should be thoughtful to the consciences and the bodies of the different people so that we can share a meal together. Again, it's not an endorsement. You can just eat anything. And in Jesus' day, there were actual religions that would just overconsume food that would be gluttonous in the name of their God. And I think when I was younger, I could eat whatever I wanted. I still want to eat whatever I want, but, but it's, not, it's not always good to just eat whatever we want without recognizing the impact on our body. When I first became a Christian, um, one of the first Bibles that I read was an older Bible. It was a King James Bible, so it was written in Elizabethan English. And I ran across this verse in the New Testament, and I went, oh, I can buffet my body daily. And they were like, no. And my pastor was like, that's not buffet. That's buffet. 
And I was like, well, what does that mean? Well, here's a better translation of it. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Sometimes uh, this verse is kind of interpreted like your body's bad and you have to train it because it's fighting against you. This is just an athletic model. The idea is that God has given us these bodies for God's glory and the good of others. So there's a value to taking care of ourselves. And food is part of the way of taking care of ourselves that could benefit God and ourselves and other people. And so we're mindful of it. We're thoughtful about it. What should I be eating? What shouldn't I be eating? And how can, and it's not an end in itself. It's supposed to lead to something greater. Now, if we're gonna explore God's view of food in our lives, we, we might have to go back and recognize that maybe we've, we've learned things that maybe weren't as healthy. Maybe we even need to go back to how God designed us as human beings to eat food and what the purpose is. So I wanna show you a, a quick video. Um, my friend Diana is a nutritionist. She goes here to Journey and she's so great. And I remember she... Uh, we were talking one time and she talked about this idea of intuitive eating. And it was so interesting to me. I was like, would you just summarize that real quick so that I can share it with everybody when we talk about food? So here's Diana talking about this. My name's Diana Burge and I'm a registered dietitian here in the South Bay in Hermosa Beach and been in practice, gosh, going on about 37 years. I got into um, the nutrition field initially, you know, I think it was because I had my own eating disorder and I really thought, wow, if I was really going to go into this field, I really needed to get my own treatment and support. Intuitive eating um, really saved my life and it's really what I support my clients that's uh, life-changing intuitive eating is really what we were all born doing when you watch babies they cry until they get fed right they don't say oh i see you're busy i'll wait they're very good at honoring hunger and then you watch them eat and they'll eat until they're no longer hungry they hit the spoon out of your hand they'll clear food off their tray they'll spit food out of their mouth when they're done they're done one of the most predominant things i see that gets interrupted with intuitive eating is something I call diet deprivation backlash. It's where we're in a world that's real black and white in our thinking about nutrition where today foods are either labeled good, right, or bad, or healthy, or junk food. And nowadays we probably have more of an OCD word called clean eating. So I guess the opposite's dirty. So before we know it, there's this tiny list of foods allowed on our good food list you know, huge list of foods called bad. But then if we eat it, we kind of feel bad and guilty. And then we'll eat even more to get out of feeling bad and guilty or we'll restrict. As early as three is when we can start doing emotional eating. Um, um, if we feel sad and we eat a food that releases serotonin to our brain, we go, ooh, food might make me feel better. How I really help my clients that I feel are open to um, share about um, connecting with Christ and Jesus is God created us to be all shapes and sizes. We could eat exactly like somebody else and we'll never look like them. Um, we're, we're gifted um, by Christ to um, be connected and start appreciating all what God has made us to be in our body.
and her sharing part of her story, uh, there's a lot there, right? When we start thinking about that, there's a lot there. Let me give you a, an action step to uh, chew on. <laughs> uh, offer Jesus one of the ways you have misviewed food in your life. Maybe you grew up in a home where food was a negative thing or it was hyper-managed. Um, maybe you have been hyper-managing food in a way that, that you, you felt like it's good, but it, maybe it's become more of a focus. Maybe your priority list is food and then Jesus. Um, what would it be like to turn that around and think differently about that, to begin exploring that? Uh, maybe you're on the side where you've never made a connection between food and faith, and maybe you're at a place that you're like, you know, I, I know I probably could eat better. And it's, it's not just for wellness, it's for, for something more, um, for your health, for your longevity, for uh, being present and available in the lives of other people uh, in your life. Uh, what would that look like? Um, maybe it's as simple as saying, I, I need to pray before I eat. And not pray a negative prayer, but a prayer of gratitude and thanksgiving. And then maybe it means for some meals, you, I've done this in my life where I won't be on my phone, I won't be in front of the TV, I'll actually just eat a meal and enjoy the process of eating. And I find when I do that, I usually eat slower. And then as I'm processing my food, I realize my portion size is smaller because I'm not just horking stuff into my face, which is the normal process that I'm in when I'm eating. What would it look like to say, Jesus, here are some ways as I've been thinking about food, and I, I, would you help me to discover the enjoyment and the blessing of it, not just for itself, but for the larger purpose that you have? I want to share one more thing about this story of the Jesus multiplying food that can help us to enjoy food as a gift from Jesus. And it's what happened after the miracle. See, Jesus did this incredible miracle and people were coming and I think they found out, hey, Jesus can not only heal you, but Jesus can like pull food out of nowhere. And he kind of built a reputation that if you showed up, he was gonna do a miracle. So people started showing up expecting miracles and some people showed up expecting food. And so after he provides this food, look at what he says. He says, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. He's like, I just fed you, but let me clarify something. Don't be so focused on that. He said, spend your energy seeking eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. He's referring to himself. For God the Father has given me his seal of approval. Then what Jesus says, and you'll read it this week when you read John 6, then he says, he tells this mostly Jewish audience, he tells them a story based on their Jewish history at a time where God provided some type of supernatural food from heaven. The word used in the Bible is manna, and it literally means, what is it? Uh, they didn't know what it was. But God had provided something from heaven to sustain the Jewish people. And then Jesus says, remember when God provided food for your ancestors? You know where they are today? They're dead. What he was saying is food is not the end. Sometimes we feel like food is the most important thing. It's actually not. Reminds me of a joke, George Carlin. Remember that comedian uh, decades ago? He had this great joke. He was like making up book names. He said, somebody should write this book. 
eat well, stay fit, and die anyway. Because sometimes we can get overly obsessed about wellness, but we're like, to what end? Jesus said, you guys are waiting for bread from heaven? Jesus said this to him, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Jesus wants us to take this idea of food and have wellness and food in our life, but then look at where should this point me to? And this is the second way we can enjoy food the way Jesus wants us to. It's by doing this. Let food point you to true nourishment in Jesus' words. It's very interesting that the Jewish faith always connected food with understanding the teachings of God in the Bible. One of the Psalms in the Old Testament puts it like this. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. One of the Hebrew prophets said this. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. Probably one of the most famous things Jesus said about this connection. He said this. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying, let's work on enjoying food as God created us to. Let's eat well in line with our bodies and with each other so that we can be available for God and for other people. But let's not stop there. Don't just eat food. Eat God's words. So here's an action step for you. Set up a feeding schedule to eat and digest Jesus' teachings during the week. What would that look like? You eat, some of you eat three times a day, sometimes more. How often do you eat God's word? Maybe take a bite in the morning and chew on it during the day. Maybe before you have a scheduled meal, you could just open up and read a Bible teaching before you eat or after you eat. You could line up with things you already do. Maybe it's that reading schedule we talked about. Go through, take aside a certain part of the day. This is when I'm going to eat God's word. And one of the reasons I want to encourage you in this is growing growing in the spiritual life means that we need to be regularly eating what Jesus taught, and the mark of spiritual adulthood is a self-feeding follower of Jesus. You understand what I mean? Don't wait for Sunday morning to eat part of the Bible. You will be malnourished. Come to church well-fed. Because then this is the common meal where we eat in a way that will appeal to all different kinds of people, right? This is a shared meal. This is different than your diet of eating God's word. So the mark of spiritual adulthood is self-feeding. Now, let me say a special word to those of you who really love the Bible and want more Bible. Well, I want to... I want to get into the meat. Some of you'll use that. You'll hear Christians talk about. I don't want the milk. 
of the word of God. I want the meat of the word of God. If you're really into meaty Bible teaching and meaty Bible reading, make sure you are equally into applying what it says. Because if you eat and you don't work out, you will be theologically obese. And this is very important. There's a lot of Christians who spend a lot of time in the Bible and they are not good employees. They spend a lot of time in the Bible. They're not good spouses. They're not good leaders. They read, they know a lot of theology, but they are mean and unkind and have low self-control. So make sure if you are eating, you are working out. Here's what we talked about today. We can enjoy food as a good gift from Jesus. Can I get an amen? Mm, let's have lunch. Uh, and then, and enjoy it. Uh, and expl- here's two ways we can do that. Explore God's view of food in your life. Maybe you wanna talk about that in your life group this week. Maybe you wanna talk about that with somebody in your life that is a person of wisdom as you kind of think through that and take some time to think through that. Uh, and, then, and then let food point you to true nourishment in Jesus's words. We can eat well, we're gonna die anyway. Let's eat well and translate it so that eating well and being healthy can help us follow through on what Jesus is calling us to do in this world that desperately needs us. Now let me trans, let me move into us ending with our time of communion together. Here's one more thing that Jesus said in John chapter six, and it kind of rocked the people when he said it. He said, anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. Early Christians were actually rumored to be cannibals because they heard this and they said, oh, the Christians get together in a room and then they eat Jesus's flesh and drink his blood. And Jesus is like, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, I'm the bread of heaven. I am your true nourishment. So I'm gonna invite our band and I'm gonna invite Alex to come out here. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna symbolically take Jesus into our lives. Like we would eat and drink and the food and the drink is nourishing to our bodies. Symbolically, we're gonna say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my nourishment and be my fuel. Because ultimately, I believe, not only is it a proverb in our day, but I think it's a good principle in the Bible that you are what you eat. So let's spend this time symbolically taking Jesus into our lives so that we can be Jesus in the lives of other people. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for the gift of food and thank you for this special time of celebration of of inviting you into our lives in in a very beautiful way. And we do this together, conscious of everyone else that is in the room, that we are sharing this meal together. This isn't just a, a Jesus and me thing. This is a Jesus and we thing. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen.